This is TF Wire, Transformers Week in Review, Episode 45, recorded June 25th, 2006, and is brought to you by BigBadToyStore.com. Welcome to TF Wire. It's the finger holes, Ultra Magnus. We shall call you New Soundwave. It pays to get Transformers because you get girls. This is Matrix Prime Power 64. This is Matt Spader. This is Kira saying Transformer. Chill out. Hello and welcome to Transformers Week in Review. I am Jesse slash Matrix Prime and on this week's show I am joined by Power 64. Who is being a real asshole right now. Yes. And Curious. And I'm just giggling in the background here. <laughs> that works. Uh, Spada is apparently in a car, on a big car ride somewhere. Yeah, he got kidnapped or something. Something like that. Yes. They're holding him ransom until we pay $2 billion or something stupid like that, so don't expect to hear from him ever again. <laughs> Before we get to the news, I want to make an announcement about a website I've been working on. I've officially launched tfnewswire.com. TFNewsWire.com is a Dig.com style clone that focuses solely on Transformers news. So what separates this news website from other Transformer news websites, you ask? It removes the filter and gives you control. With other Transformer news sites, you have to rely on moderators to determine what they consider newsworthy before posting the news to the homepage. This allows minor news and other interesting news articles to slip through the cracks and it gives you a skewed view at the news. With TFNewsWire.com, you are in control of the news. You post the stories. Whether it's big news in the fandom or a review of the latest toy, as long as it pertains to Transformers, you can post it. Like with Dig.com, once a news story is posted, people can vote on it. The stories with the larger vote count will reach the headlines page, allowing you to see the most popular news items. You can also comment on every news story and interact with fellow fans. Lastly, you want to get all the latest news without checking the website? No problem. Subscribe to the RSS feed and you can do just that. So check out tfnewswire.com, the only place you will find unfiltered Transformers news, and help spread the word. Okay, so on with the news, yes? Sure, why not? Story 1, open, ca- open casting call for the Transformers movie. Central Casting in Burbank, California is holding an open call for people between the ages of 16 and 23, for people that look like high school students and would like to appear as an extra in the movie. You're looking for SAG and non-union members who would be willing to work from July 10th through the 12th. The open casting call takes place on June 29th from 5 to 8 p.m. in Burbank. Alright, uh, anybody want to give me uh, boarding and uh, plane travel to Burbank, California? Hey, I'm going to fly out there. Really? No, not really. <laughs> okay. I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to go, but... You don't look enough like a high school student. <laughs> uh... I could pass for one. Anyway, it's cool that they're looking for extras and stuff like that. I know some people out there might be skittish over the fact that they're looking for people who look like high school students, but... Eh. It, is, Spike, is Spike supposed to be in high school? I think so. Are we going to be seeing cheesy high school shots here? In Possible. The oh. Really, all this tells us is that somewhere in the movie, at some point, there is a crowd scene. <laughs> and they're all running away? <laughs> we don't even know that. <laughs> They're just standing around with their thumbs in their asses? Yes. If this were a U-Bowl movie, that would definitely be <laughs> it, but... 
Seeing as it's Michael Bay, it could be something completely different. I don't know. Oh, I saw him in Coyote Ugly last week. That was a bit of a shock. He's a photographer in the bar. I just wanted to get that in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the photographer in the what? what? Michael Bay was the photographer in Coyote Ugly huh. at the bar taking photos of everybody. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. So, folks, if you want to know who to yell at when the movie comes out and you absolutely hate it for stupid fanboyish reasons, go watch Coyote Ugly. So nobody's going to California for this, then? Yeah, I'm not much for <laughs> cross-country travel for no uh, apparent reason. Come on, Curious, you can fly across the ocean. Well, uh, And then across the country. Uh, yes. uh, I, I could, but then I'd have to fly back again if I got the open casting call. and <laughs> uh, I'd want something more than just a bit part for all that effort, really. <laughs> I'd want Maybe to be you the voice of Optimus your... Prime or something. Maybe you could play your song in the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you'd act, at least have to have some speaking parts, man. Maybe you could be the guy who says, Look, up in the sky, it's Batman, or something like that. Or maybe I could be the guy, like in Spider-Man, at the train stop busking and playing the original Spider-Man theme. I could just be there <laughs> with my accordion, you know, playing the original <laughs> G1 theme and the, begging for money. I've got the long, greasy, disheveled hair and everything. <laughs> I'd love to see that. <laughs> okay, so moving on to story number two. Story number two. Remy tackles Mirage. In Act 411 of his photo galleries, Remy gets up close and personal with Alternators Mirage, the Ford GT40. Pictures include a detailed look at the figure in both modes and from many different angles, as well as size comparisons with other Alternators figures. The photo gallery can be seen at tfkencon.com. Was anybody fortunate enough to order one of these at the club store? Not yet. I haven't even seen the gallery yet, but I'm, when it does come out in my area, I'm definitely buying this. I'm still waiting for Sideswipe to be released in the UK. <laughs> At this I'll point, you old. may want to consider alternate options. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's a thing called online stores. Yeah. Yes, but the problem is that there's a massive gap between... Uh, I've got, you know, 24 alternators to catch up on, and if as soon as I start <laughs> going on the online stores, it'll just be a whole world of pain for my wallet. I wouldn't recommend being a completist at this point. Yeah, that's going to be kind of hard, especially with the Nemesis Prime. Yeah. Well, that's going to be available through the uh, Hasbro Toy Shop, I think, or the Club Store or something. Is it? That's what I've been hearing. Yeah. They wouldn't be evil I... enough to make it only available through the San Diego Comic Convention. I still haven't found Prime myself. Do you want to find Prime? I haven't found him, <laughs> but I haven't wanted to find him either. Well, I heard it's really bad, but I still want to pick it up and see for myself. I'm quite tempted by the Japanese... Uh, Kiss version they've got because they've done him in more Generation One accurate colours with the legs in the blue with the silver plating. It looks a lot more like G1 Prime, and you have the pictures of them side by side. And Alternators Prime just looks like someone in pajamas, really. Admit it, you just want the vaguely pedophilic Kiss doll figure, don't you? Yes, I don't have <laughs> any other access to boobies. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, then. What am I saying? I think you were about to say, so should we move on to the next story? Oh, that that's not what I was going to say. Oh. Oh, yeah. Did you ever get a hold of Remy and ask him if he was going to put together a uh, BitTorrent of of all of his pictures? No, that's... I'll go put that on my to-do list right now. Oh, yeah, please yes, do. I do used, that. I used to save all my favorite Remy pictures into a special folder and just have them as a slideshow for my screensaver. And if I had all of them, that would be something quite special. <laughs> Yes, make sure you do that. I hear you typing now. Yes, I just added the <laughs> entries to my to-do list that I've been meaning to add. Contact Remy about the BitTorrent thing. Contact David K. 
and make loud typing sounds on my laptop so it s- shows up on the soundtrack for the podcast. Yes. Okay, so moving on oh, to Oh, I can cross that one three. off now. Yes, let's yes. go on to this number, story, story number three. Story number three, Simon Furman interviewed. ComicNewsEye.com has interviewed the famed Transformer comic writer Simon Furman, Simon Furman? Simon Furman about the upcoming Stormbringer series. In the interview, Furman reveals that the Storm, Stormbringer storyline runs in parallel with infiltration in terms of the timeline, and mentions that neither Grimlock nor Ultra Magnus will be making an appearance. Yay! He also, he also <laughs> reveals that all the Transformers will feature Cybertronian alt, mode, alt modes, and that he is always on the lookout to surprise people by tinkering with established character profiles. So does this mean Bludgeon is going to be a cop? A doctor? <laughs> a samurai cop? Possibly. He's going to be John Belushi? <laughs> He might very well be. Okay. So, so is anybody picking up the Stormbringer, li- or yeah, the Stormbringer comic series here? Oh, hell oh yes. I definitely will be. Yeah, I've picked up all the IDW comics religiously since they've been released, and uh, you know, well, with Beast Wars over and Infiltration mm-hmm. coming to an end. I haven't uh, been doing the, uh, s- I haven't been doing the reissue ones, but other than that, I've been reading. Pretty entertaining so far. And it's good getting back to War Within style stories. I'm still quite frustrated being left dangling at the end of the ID. Oh uh, no, Dreamwave raid with the War Within stories. So, how do you feel about Furman not including Grimlock? Yay! Not having <laughs> the same damn characters every time. You know what? Does, so, does he really... Does he include Ultra Magnus a lot, too? Uh, not really, no, but... Eh. but I think it's a bit of a misconception, because Ultra Magnus never really appeared in the US comic uh, at all other than the release of the movie tie-in, and so Simon Furman had a lot of material to play with in the UK comic, and he made him one of the most central, prominent characters, because he had, you know, he's one of the toy characters that wasn't in the comic, and so he had complete creative control over him, and I think that's why many people have the misconception that he focuses on, on him, because he's the only writer who ever has featured him full stop. True. Uh, it's always been more him. Grimlock, Ratchet, and uh, Bludgeon that are the legitimate ones that he seems to spend a little too much attention on versus, you know, every other character. I, I still think I'm going to pass. Eh, you're lost. The com- the com- comics still don't interest me. Maybe I'll pick up the uh, the uh, one character storyline. What's that called? Uh, I don't remember what the it's called, but I'm looking forward to those too. Focus. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. All right, moving on. Story number four. Masterpiece Starscream gets a makeover. This news comes from Decepticon of the Allspark. The upcoming Masterpiece Starscream has undergone a lower body makeover in its prototype stage. The previous version of the prototype had the tail fins and undercarriage piece attached to the sides of the legs. The new version now has these pieces attached to the waist of the figure, as seen in many of Shinji Kawamori's previous mecha designs. The legs have also been updated with a new design as well, and uh, they also added some kibble to the forearms and lower arms. Shoulders do not have any kibble on, which does make it look a bit unbalanced according to some of the critics of the redesign. So, uh, Masterpiece Starscream is scheduled for release later this year. Thoughts? I hate the legs. I don't care about the legs. I like what they've done with the main chunk of the body, because if you see the comparison pictures, you've just got a big cube, really, on the original uh, prototype, and it's been shaved down into a much more musculature and shapely form. I just think it looks kind of cool. I mean, I don't mind having the kibble on the waist. Oh, well, I don't care about that. I just don't like the indentation on the legs themselves. So, what what do you guys think of the whole massive fan reaction over this? Or what it seems to have been one from 
what we've seen at the AllSpark. <laughs> I, I think it's a bit of an overreaction. Agreed. I mean, I still want to pick up the figure. I just don't like the uh, the change in the lower legs in myself. But I think it's an improvement. I, I can live with it. I think it's an improvement. I'm still probably not going to pick it up because, honestly, classic Starscream is close enough. I think it's absolutely fantastic, and I'll be picking it up. And when they re-release it as Skywarp and Thundercrack, I will get both of those as well. Do you think they're going to do that? Well, they did a Ultra Magnus out of the yeah, Optimus but only Prime in Japan one. though. Well, this hasn't even been announced stateside yet. Huh. Well, that's another question. Do you think we're going to get it here? I can't imagine us not getting it here. You're not going to spend the money developing a toy like that and then not release it in the United States at some point. But when when do you think the best opportunity for them to do that would be? Movie tie-in. So we would see it in 2007. Then. Probably. Is it be good enough for me? Is that an announced uh, date for release in Japan yet, roughly? Sometime this year. Oh. Wasn't it September? Sounds right. September, October, somewhere in Let there. Let me see if it's on Google. Scheduled for release in September 2006. Thank you. <laughs> so just a couple more months away. Yep. At which point people can get it and bitch about it having not long enough smokestacks or something. <laughs> Too much battle damage. Yeah. Wrong color oh. gun. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so on to our last story this week. Metrodome releases Master Force Vidcast. As brought to our attention by TF Warrior forum member Crazy Steve. Yay! He is Metrodome has, crazy. Metrodome has released a vidcast, vidcast of Master Force. The vidcast is a 4 minute and 43 second video of the first episode of Master Force. It includes the original Japanese audio track with English subtitles and can be found for download at the iTunes Music Store by doing a search for Transformers in the Podcast Directory. I'm so glad they decided to go with the 4 minute and 43 second version cut. If they'd just gone with the straight four-minute version, it would have been way too compact, and I just wouldn't have had any idea what was going on at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, could they have rounded it off to at least five minutes? I don't know. In all seriousness, I haven't seen it yet, because I can't seem to be able to download it. Yes, similarly here, (laughs) iTunes has just been Benny-inging out. I can't even pronounce my own charming English slang words. Uh, (laughs) Benny-inging of iTunes has not been working for me either, and so I've been unable to see it. But <laughs> I, apparently, I was the only one that was able to download it, but I haven't watched the series itself. So, well, I'm still other than what I I will be picking up the other, box set next month. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> D- does anybody know anything about the series in general? Uh, it's called Master Force. It was Super Japanese only, and uh, according to something that we had in the preparatory chat, there was a high human body count. Well, so I've heard, yes. Yeah, it's the second of the three Japanese-exclusive uh, series. It's due for release in the United Kingdom on DVD box set uh, next month, actually. A very reasonable price, which I don't have to hand at the moment. And <laughs> the series focused down on the what we saw in the US as Power Masters and Pretenders. And the Seacons make an appearance, too. At but least not, in episode one. Well, not as the Seacons, but as... A completely different Japanese character that just so happened to share the same toy. It's what they did with all the well, Japanese TV series is that even though we saw all the toys released in the US, they were released under different names with different bios and different characters in Japan to tie in with their series, which they got and we never did. Until now! Oh, and the oh. list price is £34.99 although Amazon.co.uk has it for £26.24 pence. That's roughly about $50 for all you American listeners out there. With region-free DVD players. 
Yeah, to be honest, fifty bucks for this, sixty bucks for the Adventures of Briscoe Kenny Jr. <laughs> I'm going with the Bruce. Oh, Briscoe County Jr. Huh? Yeah. You choose that over this? Hell yes. <laughs> I think you should pick up Walk Walker Texas Ranger instead. Does Walker Texas Ranger have Bruce Campbell in it? No, it has Chuck Norris. Bruce Campbell is the only thing that can defeat Chuck Norris. Oh, if you say so. Bruce Campbell has defeated Spider-Man twice. <laughs> He's also defeated the Army of Darkness. Almost too many times to count. Yeah. So, moving <laughs> okay. on, right? Yes, moving on. Now, here is Kyrus with... The Ultimate Transformers Rock Ballad, Part 4. UTRB Must bang my head repeatedly now against the table. Last week came and went, with very little progress made. Fortunately, things have gone much better this week. Things took a turn for the better musically when I acquired a beautiful Italian piano accordion. Recognise the song? Well, here it is again with a uh, bass guitar. I think you'll all have to agree my rendition of Unicron's theme is superb. I, for one, am hoping that Don Murphy chooses to score his upcoming Transformers movie with piano accordion music. Preferably mine. Last week I realised the limitations of my own voice and decided to enlist the help of a vocalist I'd met a couple of weeks back at a party. It seemed she was nowhere to be found, but this week she invited me around for a cup of tea and recorded these for me. A ginormous thanks goes out to Charlie who has saved us from more of this. the ultimate Transformers rock ballad has been written by a myriad Transformers celebrities, performed by musicians the length and breadth of England, and presided over by me with my piano accordion. How will the ultimate Transformers rock ballad turn out? Find out next week when it is finally unveiled for all to see. Or should I say here. Now on to our newest segment of the show, the two-minute drill. On this segment, I will, or at least attempt, to review, in two minutes or less, an episode of Transformers. On this week's show, I will be reviewing The Transformers Season 1, Episode 1, More Than Meets the Eye, Part 1. 
So let's do this. Start the clock. Episode 1 begins with a very, very brief introduction of just who the Transformers are by the narrator. And aside from that, we aren't given very much background information at all. The episode starts out with a battle between the Autobots and Decepticons, while the Autobots are trying to gain some much-needed power resources to battle the Decepticons and end the Great War. Needing much more energy to defeat the Decepticons, the Autobots decide to leave Cybertron in hopes of finding some, but the Decepticons quickly catch word of their plan and uh, are following right behind them. The Decepticons eventually board the Autobot ship where a battle ensues, and the ship ends up crash landing into a volcano on what is then prehistoric Earth. Fast forward 4 million years into the future to 1984, and the Autobot ship reactivates both the Autobots and the Decepticons. The Decepticons, yearning to make contact with Cybertron, begin work on the first space bridge while the Autobots send out a recon team, comprised of Hound and Cliffjumper, to discover just what exactly the Decepticons are doing. This results in a confrontation between the two factions, with the end result being the Autobots retreating and the Decepticons going off to search for more energy. Returning to Autobot headquarters, Hound and Cliffjumper report their findings, and the Autobots head out to find the Decepticons. The Decepticons discover an oil rig out in the ocean and quickly take control from the crew members aboard. The Autobots show up to battle the Decepticons, but have to end up helping the crew members as the Decepticons destroy the oil rig as they retreat. And with that, the episode ends on a cliffhanger on whether or not the Autobots will be able to save the crew members or not. So what did I like about this episode? Well, it was well-paced, it introduced all the major characters, it didn't bog us down with lots and lots of background information, and you could start to see some of the character personalities show through, like Starscream. What didn't I like about the episode? Not much, except for the fact that I wanted to see a bigger confrontation between the two factions, but considering that this was only part one, I guess I can let that slide. So on a scale of five, I give this introduction episode a five out of five. And I have to say, that was an absolutely awesome song and review segment. You made it in just at the wire there, Matrix. Yeah, I know. Just at the wire. Just at the buzzer. Wire, buzzer, whatever. <laughs> so I take it this is the part of the show where I get to review the other half of the Beast Wars 10th anniversary toys, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> okay, then. Go for it. Take it away. All right, who do you want to hear first? Rat Trap, Waspinator, Cheetor, or Transmutate? Transmutate. I guess my vote. Oh, I want him to say Transmutate to the end. You know, it's the... Oh. Yeah, Transmutate will go at the end. Uh, Alright, I'm holding Cheetor. Let's start with Cheetor. Okay, I have no idea... Actually, I know exactly why he is supposedly so popular. That would be... Uh, when the uh, first wave of him came out, he was probably the most heavily scalped toy out of the entire line. So uh, Hasbro ended up doing a second wave, and people bought that. And then finally, when the Fox Kids ones came out, he did okay on that. So everybody thought, oh... Cheetor must be awesome, and they just kept making Cheetor t- toys after that. So anyway, that's probably why he got included with that one, That and he's a major show character. But anyway, the toy itself is, save for the Maximal logo on the left leg in beast, left four leg in beast mode, it's virtually identical. The shade of blue that they used on him is a little bit off, but other than that, it's dead on to the original. The transformation is relatively simple, though I didn't quite figure out the whole legs turning around thing that makes the uh, cod piece fit over his crotch better. God, that sounds horrible. But anyway, yeah, the transformation's fun. The beast mode has zero articulation. Well, 
you can kind of move the legs, but you can't move the front legs at all. Yeah, you can't move the head either. <laughs> so it if you do try to move anything in beast mode, it just kind of looks freaky. It comes with two guns. One is his ass, and the other is his stomach, and it shoots water. You gotta love those ass weapons. Yes. On the one hand, they're some of the most horrifying gimmicks we've had in Transformers to date. On the other hand, they are impeccably integrated into the vehicle mode, which is something that I always have that I always really liked about the Beast Wars line. Did you say vehicle mode? Alternate mode. Sorry. Beast mode? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> we get it. I made a mistake. Put up the Awa Flub thing here and let's move on. Did you put it up yet? Did you? Alright, next is Waspinator, who is... Actually a pretty dang nice toy. Nothing extremely special, and uh, in the beast mode, I've never been a fan of how weak the legs are on there, but pretty much dead on for how he looks on the show. Probably one of the most show-accurate-looking toys out of the whole thing, which, considering Mainframe had to stylize them a decent amount to make them not look stupid, is actually quite an accomplishment for this one. Although, instead of making the model just kind of look weird compared to the toy, they actually just said to make the character stupid, which was the source of much entertainment for the preceding three seasons. Now, isn't his head the mutant head? Yeah, his is like the one mutant head they used in the show. And I have to say I'm pretty glad about that because his normal head looks somewhere between, uh, I don't know, it's like what you'd get if you crossed Cheetor with... Actually, it's what you'd get if you took Cheetor and removed all feline stuff from it. It's a really generic-looking head. Fortunately, the other head is there, and uh, the gimmick for it doesn't even get in the way. It just makes the transformation a bit simpler. The one thing that does bug me a tiny bit about it is that the uh, head kind of splits open with a little thing running down the middle, but it's no biggie. You're not going to get bugged by it that much. I like how the missiles are actually integrated into the wings for the gun, but I never use them anyway, so doesn't really matter. Oh, no. Cool little toy. Definitely a pick one you'd want to pick up if you were a fan of the character or a fan of the TV show or want the transmutate thing. I wouldn't say it's a standout toy that you'd absolutely have to go out and get if you weren't a fan, but eh, it's a Wave 1 Beast Wars toy. They were still kind of trying to find out what they were doing with him. For the time, it was really good toys. Alright, third toy. The odd man out out of the first six Beast Wars 10th anniversary toys, Rat Trap. Transmetal version instead of the original version, which, well, it doesn't really mesh with the rest of them. I can't say I'm even disappointed in the slightest about it, because this is the version I always wanted to get and never had a chance to. Transformation's fun, if a little overcomplicated. All the modes look great. The uh, extra vehicle mode is fun, if a bit useless. Character looks great, just about dead on to the model. They apparently got all the bugs worked out on getting the toys and the show models synced up with each other done by the second season, so... Yeah, all in all, it's a really cool toy. If you like the character, I wholeheartedly recommend it. If you don't like the character, you probably wouldn't be a fan of Beast Wars at all and might want to just avoid it, but if you're in the mood for a cool little $15 toy and a DVD to go with it, go for it. Although the episode that he comes with features a different version of the toy, which is kind of weird. You know? Okay, I guess you don't know. Transmutate. Alright, transmutate. <laughs> transmutate. Transmutate. Wait, 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 wait. Before we get to that, give us our, uh, give us your uh, rating for the other three figures. <laughs> Alright. I give Waspinator a PG-13. No, I give Wasp... <laughs> yeah, Waspinator gets a PG-13. Rattrap gets an R. And uh, Cheetor gets an NC-17 for obscene weapons. <laughs> okay, now you can do transmutate. Transmutate! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Okay, Transmutate is really damn cool. I love how they decided to do him as a Build-A-Figure, because... Him. Her, sorry. That is a big mistake, and I should be ashamed of myself for it. Yes, yes, you should. Anyway, it's just awesome that they decided to do Transmutate for this one, because it's a toy that we would never have gotten otherwise. It's a great fan thing, and this is a line for the fans. 
it's great that we have that in there. And as far as the build a figure itself goes, it all seems relatively fair how they piece it out, although you do get a bit more of it with one than the others, but in the end it assembles really nicely. All of the uh, arm pieces manage to have a decent range of motion but stay in place without sliding. The head is incredibly articulate, which they came up with a pretty good way of doing. Ball joint and a slider. It's not really that refined, but it lets you come up with a decent number of poses. The arms aren't that well articulated from side to side. They can only do articulation at the shoulders, which is up and down. But you can still get a decent amount of poses, and I haven't even tried moving the legs yet because I've heard reports that they break if you try to move one of them. The other one's snapped on at that point, so it probably shouldn't, but I'm playing it safe with those. It looks really cool. It looks dead on to the show. It fits the character really well. I kind of wish they would have found a way to include the episode on one of the DVDs with the other Transformers from this wave, but yeah, life goes on, I guess. And uh, other than that, I guess the one thing I have to say about it is uh, her left arm only has three fingers, so it looks like she's throwing a gang sign. This combined with the way her neck goes down, it looks like she's going, East Side, or something like that. It's incredibly stupid and juvenile, but I find it humorous. <laughs> and it's a really awesome bonus for buying the whole set. I wouldn't say it's worth it unless you were planning on getting the whole set anyway, but if it's if you're trying to decide whether to be a completist or not, go for it. So this one gets a triple X rating? Uh, R for gang violence. Uh, okay, so on to the listener sound off. Certainly, after we've gotten done with my crappy segment, let's go on to something that probably isn't quite so poorly produced. Crazy Steve! With his review of City of Fear! Hello, welcome to Crazy Steve's quick and dirty lowdown on the Titan trade paperback City of Fear. I found this one in the $3 bin at the local comic store this week, so I grabbed it. Three bucks is awesome. Jeff Sr. does the cover art on it, and it's great. It's kind of watercolory looking depiction of a battle with Ultra Magnus, Springer, and Broadside against this shit ton of zombie robots coming from the ground. It looks freaking awesome. See, the first comics in it are UK 164 and 165, which comprise the City of Fear story. This one was uh, penciled by Dan Reed. You'd think it'd be hard to write an interesting story using only Ultra Magnus, the Sparkabots, and a couple Duocons, but in City of Fear, Furman delivers the goods. Now, what's the magic ingredient? Zombies. Set on Cybertron, Magnus and the Sparkabots, who are called Sparklers in the UK continuity, find Autobase deserted, and they run into undead robot zombie hordes. It's awesome. Lots of Simon Firmerific death and dismemberment ensue. Now that story continues in Legion of the Lost, parts 1 and 2 from UK 166 and 167. Those were penciled by Jeff Anderson. Continuing the zombie storyline, Springer comes to grips with how much he sucks compared to the Wrecker's former leader, Impactor, now who just happens to be zombified and shows up too. The leader of the zombie robots is revealed, and it's a crazy Autobot named Flame, who used to be Emirate Zaron's roommate in college or something like that. I don't know. It's Furman writing it. Next up in uh, UK 168 and 169 is Meltdown, parts number 1 and 2, penciled by Robin Smith. Flame's plan is to use this gigantic nuclear-powered rocket engine to make Cybertron a mobile spaceship, which is an idea he ripped off from Megatron. Now Zeron has to deal with him, and during the confrontation, Zeron realizes he's got to transform to battle mode, which is something he hasn't done since forever, so Furman's kind of teasing you there. 
that's good stuff. Then after that is Deadly Games from UK 170 to 171, penciled by Dan Reed. That one features Ultra Magnus and gladiatorial combat. It's sort of an epilogue to the zombie flame robot storyline. Magnus kicks all sorts of alien ass. In the process, he teaches everybody how to get along. It's heartwarming stuff. That ends the run of consecutive issue reprints in City of Fear. And next up are three stories from various other issues of the UK run. They do Firebug, which is from UK 188, penciled by Jeff Anderson, where Sandstorm, Inferno, and Broadside fight this somewhat effeminate blue robot gremlin guy with a Wolverine haircut that goes on a Kremzeek kind of rampage, burning a whole small city down. Then after that is The Fall and Rise of the Decepticon Empire from UK 213 through 214. Lee Sullivan pencils that one. I love Sullivan. He's freaking awesome. In that one, uh, a wise, smart Megatron, which is kind of cool, returns to Cybertron, encounters a bunch of lazy-ass Decepticons in charge. Then there's lots of flying heads and limbs in this one. He uses his fusion cannon a couple times. It's awesome. Good stuff. Then finally up is Cup's story from 132, penciled by Dan Reed. That's a Cup hot rod story with a twist, kind of. At the outset, I thought I knew when it was supposed to be taking place, but I was wrong. I got chronological whiplash once I figured out what was going on. Furman can do that to me. Let's see, that's it for City of Fear. Got Transformer zombies, crazy Autobots. A lot of generic Transformers and aliens get their asses kicked. It's, it's freaking awesome. It's good stuff. So this is Crazy Steve saying if you can't be zombie crazy, be a crazy zombie, be, be a robot zombie, be... Zombie robot crazy, crazy robot, zombie robots, yeah, yeah, baby, Rib ribbit zombies, bye. That's crazy. That it's was crazy. Steve. So, uh, thank you, crazy Steve. That was crazy. And keep, keep sending those in, yes. I love them. It makes our work so much easier. Okay, so now on to the listener questions, my favorite part of the show. Yeah. This first one comes from Rick Hogg and Son. Do you think, with all the customs and kit bashing going on, that Hasbro should sell a build-your-own transformer kit that would allow for fans to customize their own figures, heads, arms, and weapons? Well, aren't they doing a panel based on that at the uh, convention this year, and they're charging money for attending the panel separately from the price of the convention, so I'd assume they're actually producing a toy like that for use at the convention. I don't know, that's news to me. It's probably a toy that's just basically off the shelf, but... It might be made of... It might be a gray test shot or something like that. Eh, you never know. I think it's a, He was thinking... Yeah. I think it's a really interesting idea, selling a Transformer, but with about 20 different heads and weapons, but just one body. It's interesting. It's kind of impractical, though. I mean, from a mechanic standpoint, you don't really want to make 20 different heads unless you're going to have 20 different bodies to go with them for the people making them. In which case, you're going to have to sell them in bulk, in which case you either are going to be selling them as mini-cons, at which point the heads are too small to really see anything with, or it's going to be obscenely expensive. I love the idea, though. Maybe if... Unless they did it as, like, a separate line where you could, like, buy a pack of heads separately or something like that, and you were buying 20 <laughs> heads without a body, and there were bodies that went together and stuff like that, but, God, it would be hard to engineer <laughs> all the stuff to transform with that after you have all those customization stuff in there. We, we could make it a shell former. And then just change the body pieces. You could, but that'd kind of be lame, wouldn't it? I didn't say it wouldn't be lame, but it would work. True. I think part of the whole appeal of doing the whole customization and kid bash 
and kit bashing and stuff like that is the fact that it's all kind of do-it-yourself and not just available for anybody to pick up in a kit. Although, right. maybe they could, I don't know, put up some uh, heads that are compatible with other toys on the Hasbro Toy Shop website or the club website for uh, customizers to use for stuff like that. Like, say, oh, some new alternator heads? Yeah, that'd work. Did you ever see those uh, custom ones on eBay? No, I did not. Oh, those are pretty nice. Cool. So, question two, yes. This one comes from Transmetal Pimp. Yes, Transmetal Pimp. I have a question regarding the Beast Wars series. What is with all these other figures released under the Beast Wars line that they did not show up in the... What? That did not show up in the TV show. Were they from a Beast Wars comic line? No, the to- the TV show series was really successful, and uh, but Mainframe didn't have the budget to animate them all into it. So Hasbro kept producing the toys even though Mainframe didn't get to use them all in the show. And personally, I think it was better that way. The show was the definitely you- better for it, and yes. it did kind of free up the toy line a bit, too. I mean, they could make new characters that didn't have to be shoehorned in anywhere in the show as far as character went. And then in the show it allowed them to focus on a few main characters. And it also allowed um, them to sell the same character in multiple forms. And it's also left the door open for uh, the current IDW Beast Wars storyline because in that, rather than writing about the established characters from the TV show, they've taken all of the toys which got released in the Beast Wars line but never appeared in the TV show. Well, not and, all of them. Uh, some of them. Well, all of the characters that are featured have been not shown in the show, and they've uh, told a story with those guys as well. Actually, it turned out pretty cool. Okay, so our final yes. question. This one comes from Randy. Favorite alternator? Shockwave. <laughs> well, I've only got four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it has to be Shockwave, because uh, in the Mazda RX-8 form, his purple color scheme is absolutely sublime. It's sleek, it's dark, it's slick, and then in uh, robot mode, it's a fantastic homage to the Generation 1 character, and the head sculpt is spot on. It's really hard to choose for me. I like... Because you've got more than four, yes! Rub it in! (laughs) I really like Dead End, although I can't really rationalize it. He just seems really cool. Uh... Wind Charger is fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I do like Wind Charger. He's one of the other four I have. Very yeah. difficult to stand up, but he's got a fantastic robot mode, which is just so different from the other ones, yeah. like uh, Jazz and Silver, no, Blue, Silver Streak, in that you can't really see where the parts of his car have gone in robot mode, whereas you know, the streaks have got gigantic Hoods car boots. Chest. And, yeah. Yeah. The uh, Scion is actually a pretty fun one, too. It's got a ton of personality to it. Now, admittedly, a lot of that personality is, I am so lame, but (laughs) still, it's tons of personality. I have to say, I like Wheeljack and Grimlock, and they're really cool in both modes, but the process getting between them is just too much of a pain in the ass. So, I think I'm going to have to concur with you. It's going to be, for me, either Shock Blast... Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Shock Blast, yes. I think it was actually Shockwave in the European release. Well, his license plate said Shock. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's Shock Blast Wave. Laser Wave. Or something. <laughs> so it's either him or Meister, for me. And not Jazz, because that's actually the name of a Honda automobile. But It couldn't have been Autobot Jazz? No, because it's still the name of a car owned by Honda, and I don't think Mazda would be that happy of 
having another car's brand name slapped on one of theirs. Eh, they get over it. Eh. Uh, so it's probably a toss-up between either Jazz or Shockwave. And I just think Jazz fits together better as a toy. Not quite as obnoxious to fit together. Just more fun when I actually dig him out and play with him. Don't have to Jazz has finesse got things the advantage of uh, his gun, actually. Uh, one of the things about Shockwave is that the exhaust pipe that transforms into his gun doesn't quite make sense because he's already got the gun on his hand. Well, it's I just, just a hangover from the previous incarnation of the mold. I just attach it to... I actually like the mold a lot because you can attach the gun to his arm. Yeah. And I just have it attached there without a barrel sticking out so it looks like a power pack for it. But that's just me. Well, that was a long-winded answer. Yes. <laughs> can I say mine now? No. My favorite is Silver Street. Okay. I really... You're done now. Right. Oh. Well, this is curious <laughs> saying... <laughs> He, he took up all my time. <laughs> no, I, I really like the uh, the smoke screen mold, mo, sm- smoke screen mold, but I didn't really like the uh, color scheme we got here in the U.S. I would have preferred the uh, Takara paint job. So when we got the Silver Streak, it was uh, much closer to the Takara version, and uh, yeah, that's that's the one I like. It, it looks really good in robot mode. I mean, yeah. it's got all the car features, which I like. Mm-hmm. I don't like him hidden, like in, uh... Oh... What was the one you guys just brought up? Overdrive? I can't think now. Who? Wind Charger? Wind Charger, that's it. Oh, same one, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you can't even really tell that 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 one's a a car at all in in robot mode, in my opinion. Well, there's the big wheels on the shoulders. Oh, that doesn't count, though. Maybe it just has wheels. I do actually have a soft spot for Silver Streak myself, um, mainly because somebody at my school actually had one of those and would park in the parking lot after school every once in a while with it. So every once in a while I'd be walking out of school, do a double take, and go, holy crap, it's Silver Streak. And the figure looks badass in robot mode. Most of the alternators do. Well, especially Silver Streak. Yeah. Okay, while we're at it, how about least favorite? I think I'd go with uh, Swindle. He's bright yellow, and it's a great kind of toy color, but when you've got him in car mode, uh, the bright colors of the panels mean you can see every single joint and hinge and panel split, and he does look very obviously like a transformer when he's in vehicle mode, whereas the other ones, the dark colors hide all the joints, and they just look like model cars. I'm going with Wind Charger for the, the same reason I just mentioned. I don't, I don't like the robot mode. mode. God damn it. Robot mode at all. Have you got the uh, gun barrel for him? No, I don't. I need to pick that up. I've got one of them. They're superb. And anyway, my least favorite is definitely Battle Ravage. Oh, that's a great figure. No, it's not. The Trax mold is lackluster at best. I mean, every time I transform it, I feel like I'm going to break something. It has to lean forward when it's in robot mode, otherwise it'll just kind of fall over on itself. Mine doesn't fall over. Mine does, but anyway. But then mine's uh, packed away, so... (laughs) So I guess it and wouldn't. the one other thing that really annoyed me about it, yes. Mazda and Ford belong to yes. the same parent company, which also owns Jaguar. Shouldn't Jaguar Battle Ravage have been a Jaguar? Oh. <laughs> just for that? Nah. Really? Wouldn't that have just maybe been awesome? Maybe they couldn't get that. It would have been great, but maybe they couldn't get that. Well, they got the license for two other cars out of the same parent company. If only Spader was here, he could probably answer this all. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he does like his cars, that man. Yeah, we'll ask him about it next week. We'll make him talk. 
Spader, put it, put it some... in the comment section. We need to know. Yes, please. <laughs> Maybe he has some inside info. That'd be nice. And before we go, a word about our sponsor, BigBadToyStore.com. Big Bad Toy Store is currently taking pre-orders for the recently announced 6-inch Jetfire, Skywarp Scourge, and Optimal Optimus Transformers Titanium figures. Each figure can be pre-ordered for $16.99. They are also taking pre-orders for the just-announced 3-inch Grimlock, Predaking, and Scorponok figures with a price of $5.49 each. Not interested in the Titanium line? Big Bad Toy Store is also taking pre-orders for the upcoming Alternator's Camshaft, which is the repainted silver Acura RSX. You can add this figure for $29.99 or buy it in a case with Mirage, Optimus Prime, and Meister for $89.99. Not interested in the Alternators either? You can also pre-order the upcoming Cybertron figures such as Unicron, Primus, Galaxy Force, Optimus Prime, and Cryo Scourge all set to be released within the next few months. So visit BigBadToyStore.com and tell them TF Wire sent you. And with that, I believe we're done with the podcast. So, uh, I guess this is Hour 64 saying see you in seven. This is Curious saying see you in half a fortnight. This is Matrix Prime out. I push record. So did I. <laughs> Hello I and welcome. Oh. oh, fuck! Keep it going. Still going? Still yeah, going? I'm still going. Okay. Hello and welcome to. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Go ahead. Are you sure? No. You just want to put this shit at the end of the podcast, right? I don't care. <laughs> I can go now. Sure. Please do. Hello and welcome to now. Transformers Week in Review. God damn it.